This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? San Franco, Josh Bagrianski here with you. It is the Mouths of the South podcast from DirtySouthSoccer.com. So happy to be talking with all of you, or talking to all of you. I guess we're not talking with anyone, uh, because they uh, can yell at their... uh, Well, I'm talking with you, but uh, people that are listening can yell at our uh, horrible opinions and takes, but we can't hear them, so I guess we're talking at them or to them. Well... And Eric's not here today, so I think we should have less criticism on horrible opinions this week, hopefully. Tragically eaten by a buffalo in Montana. Now we kid, we kid. But yes, Eric is uh, on assignment in Montana. Um, hopefully he can find a battery or two for his smoke detector while he's out there for when he gets back. But uh, we will see how that, that goes. Is, uh, that, is an epic, that is an epic moth scandal right there is Eric's smoke detector battery. Just uh, that's I feel like the most consistent feedback we've ever gotten from podcast about one topic was that no, it was that it was yeah fifteen What's people saying there? get this <laughs> this guy's battery yeah oh my god so I, I anyways, will I will stand up for him though or I will stick up for him in this uh, regard because I've had one of those in an apartment I've had before uh, where the battery just goes dead and unfortunately. Um, you just get to a point where you haven't replaced it. And so that beeping constantly goes off, but you get so used to it that it, 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 you just don't notice it. So like, I mean, yeah, I mean to be honest, I, I didn't really notice it when we were recording. So I'm we, we had already become like uh, part of the, part of the spell. Bums. Of the, uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Part of the spell of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the smoke detector, if you will. But regardless of all of that, we've got plenty to get to. Uh, since we last uh, did this podcast, we, we never, um, because, uh, you know, we, we had some scheduling issues, I guess, but we never really gave any sort of, uh, you know, response to uh, Darren Eels' comments on uh, Felipe Cardenas's article. It's been, you know, long enough away from that now to where there's not really a whole lot left to say other than, you know, Felipe's got his side of the story and his sources and things like that. And the team, of course, is going to refute that particularly with a negative article that comes out about them so you know it is what it is um and and josh i think you and i have agreed to disagree on a lot of it but but the things that we can't agree on are that you know sources from uh a man that was left unhappy and i say sources from when i'm talking about tata martino i mean people that were kind of around him and giving him that uh you know that kind of feedback or whatever they're always going to take one side. So you do have to take some things with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I don't think that invalidates a lot of what was in the article either. So that's really all I have to say about it. You know, kind of putting a bow on it, if you will. Well, well put, well put, sir. So that is what it is. And uh, we'll go forward. Hopefully uh, the club learned from past mistakes and the relationship between Gabriel Ainsa and uh, Carlos Bocanegra is nothing but roses and sunshine. So yes, indeed. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll indeed. hope that that, uh, that is for the best. And uh, we'll hope that, you know, no more, uh, you know, weird off field drama stuff like that happens for a while. As we can focus now it's, on- now it's back, back to the on field drama. That's right. On the field drama and Atlanta yes. United's last two results, a last gasp win at Mercedes Benz stadium over uh, Montreal. Uh, I was about to say Montreal impact. 
Uh, it's just it's stuck in yeah. your head man you i feel like just keep saying it dude just keep yeah. saying it yeah yeah they're well you know the columbus crew fans got pissed off enough to where they're going to keep <laughs> the columbus crew name so that worked for them but i don't really know if the montreal fans really liked impact all that much anyway but uh club de football montreal um exactly. as they're called now uh, atlanta with the last gasp went over there at mercedes-benz stadium josh a game that obviously you were at um roof was open the environment i heard was just just outstanding what what uh what do you have to report from just just the fact that that was the first game where they were letting full, the full crowd back in and everything how was it yeah i'd say i mean i mean on the field i think there were a lot of similarities between the seattle match we just saw so you know, obviously we'll dive into the seattle match for specifics but the the atmosphere was great. I mean, it was kind of, you know, obviously it's been a, a tough year for everybody. So it was cool sure. to be back in the building with, with everybody. And then the game was, you know, was pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but in the end, you know, you look back on it and you're like, that's really, what other way would you have it, you know, than to go through after the year you've gone, gone through and hopefully coming out the other end, you know, to, to go through a match where, you know, it's, it's pretty boring, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and made you not feel too positive about things. And then to end it the way it was ending was, it was cool. And it was also kind of, I felt like a microcosm for, for where we are right now in a way where we're just got this moment, you know, at the very hopefully tail end of, well, not end, but you know, you know what I mean? Tail end of the, all, all the crap that's happened the last year, we had a moment to be together and it was kind of capped off at the end of the match with a moment that kind of represented like how we were all feeling. So that, that was super cool. It was cool to be there. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and just kind of talking about that game, uh, you know, in, in general, just a little bit. Yeah. We know it wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a great moment. And I think, you know, for, for the fans to be back in the building and to see, you know, a, a very, very late winner uh, like that, that, that sort of came against the run of play sort of, really came out of nowhere I mean you can't really say out of nowhere because at that point in the game of course they're going to be trying to get forward and making something happen but it was still a game that you didn't really quite frankly neither team really deserved anything from it and for Atlanta United to sort of just get it on a on a hopeful cross into the box um, you know from Mulraney to Moreno I mean, uh, you know, Eminem, you got something good out of it. So, uh. And I think it, it, it ended similar to the way the Seattle match ended where Atlanta were clearly the protagonist. You had all the ball. And I thought they were, they were looking more and more dangerous towards the end than Montreal and Seattle matches, but didn't really create anything right. and, and kind of got a slice of luck, you know, obviously with the Seattle match with, uh, with the foul on a not a smart foul from Brad Smith on, no. on Brooksland and, and the box and you get the penalty. So you had a bit of fortune in both those matches. At the same time, though, I mean, you were pressing and pressing and pressing and getting, you know, clearly the more dangerous of the two teams in both those matches. So a lot of work to be done, particularly going forward in the attacking third. But I, I think you could be happy that, that you're able to, you know, be the team that finishes these matches, the stronger of the two against two sides that are playing pretty well in Montreal and Seattle. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think I've, you know, I've seen enough between the eight teams right now to know that Atlanta United can be pretty successful in sort of, you know, what's, what's the old word they use in football? Matriculating the ball up and down the yes, field. There we go. Uh, you know, and Atlanta United can do that. You know, they can turn from defense to attack pretty well. I just think on either side of the field, you know, the 18s, both in defense and in attack, in attack, you're just not getting good service to Joseph Martinez. And I think we're seeing 
a lot of different things tactically rise up because of that. You're seeing Joseph drop back a little bit more to get the ball. And at first I thought that that might just be Heinze trying to, you know, maybe round out Joseph's game a little bit more, get him more involved a little bit further back. Right now I think it's out of necessity to get him touches on the ball. Because and the, I think to drive the team forward in general. Right, that's what know. I'm saying. The, yeah. the rest of the team isn't doing a good enough job of getting him involved in the game. So it's almost like, well, I'm just going to go back here and get myself involved and help push y'all forward. I noticed that a few different times in the Seattle game where he's like, you know, coming back and then getting the ball out and then just sprinting back forward. It's like, hey, I, right. you know, I need the ball in good positions to score. And you can kind of see a little bit of frustration with Joseph. Look, he scored the, the, the PK. And, you know, I think we're all a little bit nervous when we see that jump step he does. You know? and there, <laughs> like, was, there was real pressure on that pen. You know, if you think about what, what, what it would have meant for the team if he missed mm-hmm. and it would have, what it would have meant for him personally if he yeah. missed, you know, having been out for so long. That was a real right. pressure penalty and he buried it. Yeah, and both results, you know, are obviously great for Atlanta United. I think anytime you can go on the road and get a, a 1-1 draw at Seattle in any year is great, but particularly with the start they've had because they've been on fire, probably the best team in the league to start the season. And for Atlanta to get a point on the road there is, is very, very solid. And then I, I think we said this on the podcast leading up to the Montreal game. It's like you needed to get three points there. No question about that. At home. Uh, get those three points. Atlanta United did just that, uh, if you want to call it lucky, uh, which, you know, I, I've, I've kind of said this a few different times on social media. It seems been, you know, you don't even have to say lucky. Very fortunate, I think, these past two weeks to get the results uh, that they have. But at the same time, good teams find a way to make that happen. Yeah. And I think Atlanta and I wouldn't United say, has done that. Especially in the case of the Seattle match, I wouldn't say that was an undeserved point. It wasn't a great performance. No, I'll, I'll agree with you there. But to get the penalty like that, because, again, yeah. they weren't creating like we've talked about. They, they, they weren't getting the ball to Joseph yeah. in good positions. So it's, you can almost say, did they deserve to win? No, but they didn't win. They got a 1-1 draw. No. So it's like they and deserved. Neither did Seattle, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, they, Seattle scores on a set piece, and then they decide they're just going to sit back the rest of the match. So I think a draw was fair there. Yeah, but no, I'd absolutely it, it, it really does encompass – that match does encompass the negatives. You know, we're kind of talking about the spirit and fighting back and those things and how we're confident in the team's ability to control possession and things like that. But you start to hit on a couple of points, Sam, that, you know, are, are that we dealt with last year, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and you don't want to duplicate anything from last year. No, you don't. Especially in the attacking phase. And when you look at, you know, the team being towards the bottom, I think they're maybe second or third to bottom in expected goals right now. Uh, you created, I think, 0.3 from open play against Seattle. And that's a match where you have all of the ball. And as uh, the Seattle and Atlanta players said afterwards, Atlanta was pressuring, they were probing. You know, it wasn't – it didn't seem like harmless possession. It felt like we had good control of that match, but just couldn't create any chances. And I know Ezekiel Barco is out right now, but it can't just be Joseph Martinez dropping back into midfield to drive the team right. forward to then pass to himself, you know, I mean, the, uh, it, which obviously is not going to happen. It's, it, it, it's really, I think they're really struggling to find the attacking patterns needed in the attacking half, attacking third to create opportunities to score. And you hope that's going to come, but otherwise you're going to have a similar situation to last year. Although I think better from a tactical and, and where the players heads are on standpoint, but in terms of the performances, I think it'll be similar. We have a lot of the ball and you're just not creating anything. Yeah, and that, that's been very frustrating to watch. But I think if you're Gabriel Einstein, you know, you, you take a few positives from, you know, these results. Like you've talked about, the, the ability to control the ball, the ability to 
you know, kind of play the game that you want to play, despite the fact that they're not creating those good chances, they're still, you know, dominating possession in the middle of the field. You're still doing really good at, you know, not necessarily creating bad turnovers, because I think one thing that we have sort of been worried about with Atlanta United is if you're going to play the Gabriel Ainsa style, a little bit more attacking, wanting to get forward, you can get caught out. And that's happened a few times to Atlanta United, but these past two weeks, it hasn't really happened all that much. So Correct. you've yeah. got to be happy there. And that, that's why I talk about the game, like in between the eight teams, like right now you're doing really well, like, you know, in that, in that area, you still need improvement on the back end with some defensive play. And obviously he's defending for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no question about that. And then you also just have to do a better job of getting Joseph involved. And I think Gabriel Heinz, so he's happy with the play in between the eight teams. And I think he's also got to be happy with the, the sort of resolve you're seeing like that, that, that don't give up to the end of the game against Montreal. Right. Obviously, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you knock on the door enough, eventually you opened it. Um, and then kind of the same thing, you know, you kept attacking, you were down one Oh, you needed to try to get back and get the result you wanted against Seattle. And you end up doing that, getting the penalty. Uh, I think some people would say that yeah, look, it was a bad foul. There's no, you know, you don't do that yeah. in that situation. Still, Atlanta United should consider themselves fortunate that Seattle bailed them out there because, if, you know, if that doesn't happen, you're probably going home with a 1-0 loss and, and you know, feeling a lot worse about how the game went. So I think Gabriel Heinz has got to be happy, play between the 18s, the resolve of this team, the fight that this team has shown. The mentality is clearly better than it was last year. There's no question yeah. about that. Like, this team definitely has a better mentality on the field I think you also, if you're Gabriel Heinz, I got you've got to be somewhat happy with, with the, the bursts or like bright spots you've seen from some guys. Like, I feel like um, Santiago Sosa can be a really good player. Like, I, and I think he's, you know, probably had to do some things that he might not be used to doing at times in this lineup. But I would like to see him get a little more forward because he, he can be dynamic, a dynamic presence in the attack, even though that's not his like, number one objective with Atlanta United. Um, Marcelino Moreno, obviously a player that can impact the game, obviously a player that can be a very good piece for Atlanta. He's got to get more consistent in helping to get that ball up to Joseph, though. That's one thing that he has not really shown, you know, brightly, uh, an area he hasn't shown brightly in. And then, you know, you've obviously got to get Ezekiel Barco back because, you know, obviously a, a polarizing player from an Atlanta United fan's perspective but I don't think anybody can argue that the lineup is better with him in it or without him in it. You can't argue against him being in the lineup, yeah. especially when he's healthy. And he's probably the player in the attack that knows how to work with Joseph better than anyone because he's just been around longer than anybody. Else. And I think his skill set is just best suited. Like I think you, the players are Sosa is the best player that has advanced you from the defensive third to the middle third. Barco is your player that, is more likely to drive you from the middle third to the final third. Marcelino Moreno is not really that. He's more of an ancillary. That's probably not a good way to put it. But he's he's more of a of, a, of kind of a a piece that you add in after you have your core guys. And you got to have the core, so and then you add that guy to kind of add exactly. a little flair, add a little bit of creativity. Exactly, because we've third. seen we've seen him, you know, struggle to be that guy to advance the ball forward. And I think that's the reason Gabriel Heinze has been moving. Joseph Martinez a little deeper in the first place is because of that absence of a player like Barco to get on the ball and drive the ball into the last third. And that's where we have all those debates about him, about his, his, his uh, end product, but he is getting into those spaces and you're seeing that that's quite important. Um, although obviously we like a little bit more from him 
there's not a lot of other guys that can do that on the team and even mm-hmm. get you into those spaces. One thing that you mentioned, Sam, I, that I think it's the main reason that we're being positive right now, because if Eric was here, he would say, well, it's just like last year, you know, like we we're saying, you have a lot of the ball, you're not creating a lot of chances. It's very legit. You know, that's a very legitimate uh, pessimistic viewpoint to take right now. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that makes me optimistic is what you mentioned, Sam, is that the team is bought in. The mentality mm-hmm. is there. You know, they keep plugging away. They're working hard. They He's are still learning the system. Absolutely. They are executing the, and they are to the, in a lot of ways, executing the game model that Heinze wants, you know, like you said, Sam, mm-hmm. between the 18s, the majority of the game, not the most important parts in a lot of ways, but the majority of the game at Lane United is controlling, right? On the majority yep. of the field, they're controlling the midfield. They're, they're having most of the ball. It's just an issue of you need that little bit of quality. And to me, if this persists where you're not able to score goals as the season goes on, I think we're going to see it's a personnel issue more than anything. Uh, obviously, Joseph Martinez is not included in that. But I think that if this team continues to struggle to create, that's going to be much more – uh, a condemnation of Moreno's output, of Barco's output, of Lennon's output, um, of Ibarra's output, of Heinemann, uh, Mulraney. It's going to be those guys just showing that that they're not good enough to fill the roles that they're given. And that's why the team isn't creating chances. Because in the end, I see a team that's bought in and, I, and, 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 and plays hard for the manager. And I see a team that's playing the type of match they want. They just need that extra quality in the final third. And that's not something you can really coach or that's just something that happens and certain players are more effective at that than others. And the, the, that list of guys I just mentioned, it's, it's going to be up to them simply to produce and have those moments of quality in order to create more. And if they don't do that, we're going to be stuck in this same situation uh, where you have a lot of the ball and not scoring goals, but still a better situation than last year because the players like where, where you're at and you are controlling the match in the way you want to a little bit more. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that sort of thing you can't teach in the final third. I, I, I oftentimes define that as like audacity. Like you've got to have the players yeah, that are willing bravery, to take audacity, certain yeah. chances. And like Atlanta United just doesn't have that right now. It seems um, – what's the old uh, knock well, on your boys' arsenal? They want to pass the ball into the net. Like it kind of yeah, seems yes. like Atlanta United in a sense right now, just they can get up there, but they don't have that that killer instinct in the final third to make that last pass, make that last movement that creates the goal. And I'm going to give it time because, again, I think a big part of that is that Joseph Martinez is – it looks like just now getting back to his form in terms of his off-the-ball movement and doing those – making those little explosive movements that create spaces in the final third. And Ezekiel Barca, who's probably your best player at holding the ball and uh, improvising in the final third is out. Um, And and I want to believe that when those guys start linking back up, you'll see Moreno a little more comfortable – um, not necessarily being chased around by three or four guys anymore. Uh, same for Amol Rainey. Uh, I think Brooks Lennon's been fine. You know, he's just classic, uh, classic uh, <laughs> coded language. He's just smart, okay. <laughs> he's just okay. Like, that's really, I think, up. all you can add. Yeah. And, but I, and I think, you know, I think there's something to be said for his consistency. But he's not a guy that's, you know, you're, he's not going to take you to the next level. Um, it's it's going to be up to... Those players I mentioned, I think maybe you want to get a little more from Ibarra. Maybe uh, I think Heinemann's been pretty good. You know, if he keeps He's been going. pretty good, but he needs to get inject himself into the attack more because we've seen what he can do when he gets a little bit more forward. Yeah. And when he, you know, again, that audacity, man, it's just like somebody's got to step up and take the chance. Yeah, and just figure out what your best attacking patterns are. You know, yes. I mean, we, we you, because that's something, you know, I know that, you know, 
we love going back to the Tata Martino days. I think they get mentioned every podcast of any po- type uh, about Atlanta United every time. But well, he won a championship. Were, were, I mean, we're not yeah, used to that. Yeah, it's kind of important. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things they talked about was how they worked on patterns of attack with them, attacking patterns. And that was something you could clearly see when you watched, watch the team play. And, and that's something that the team, I think, has never really established under Frank, Frank DeBoer and is trying now to establish under Gabriel Heinze. So whether it's Moreno cutting in from the left uh, and combining or getting in behind or whether it's Barco and Joseph linking up or Heinemann getting more involved, like you said, or, you know, Barco floating over to the left from the center and receiving the ball there and driving the team forward. Those patterns have not been established yet. And, and that really shows when you see you can see a team that's, yeah, they can possess it. They can knock it side to side. They can beat a press, but they just don't have that level of familiarity uh, and that haven't shown that element of audacity and bravery that you mentioned, Sam, that's going to help you figure out uh, what your best ways of, of getting in behind and creating chances uh, against the defense are. Yeah, and, and my guy Heinemann's making way too there. much money to not be more influential. Like, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. For a player that's Heinemann making thing. that much money, like, you've got to the impact Heinemann the game thing. a little yes. more. He is making a good deal. Um, I still think he's a, 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 a vital part of the attack. For me, I, I'd agree more him. than Heinemann. Heinemann, I'm looking a little bit more from Moreno. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. certainly when Barco comes back in the lineup, the, 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 the main responsibility lies with him. And as we, as we know, and that's why we talk about him all the time, the team kind of goes the way Barco goes because you know he's going to get into those dangerous yeah. spots. Is he creating? Is he finishing? That determines if you're going to score goals. So, I mean, well, right now you need a guy like Barco too because the, the eyes of the defense aren't really on anyone in particular. I mean, they're always going to be on Joseph. But the second guy that you have to look out for yeah, right now, I think when teams field. play against Atlanta United, they're not necessarily worried about really anyone except Joseph. When Barco comes back, that's a, that's a guy that the team kind of has to focus on because he's the engine, because he drives the attack when he's in the lineup. So yeah, without absolutely. him being in the lineup, it creates a much easier job for a team defending Atlanta United. And you saw when Gabriel Heinze initially tried to put Moreno into that Barco role at the highest point of the center midfield, that he wasn't able to drive the team forward right. into those positions that Barco is. And one of the reasons, just because he's not as fast with the ball at his feet, so he kept getting run down over and over, and they just get you know fouled before he could get into the attacking third. It's very uh, similar to Pity Martinez. Very similar situation right now to when Barco yeah. was hurt, and then you know Frank DeBoer just injects Pity Martinez into that role, and. It's almost like these two players are very similar in a sense that Pity Martinez, we discussed multiple times on the podcast, way better when he's sort of a wild card in your attack, that extra piece that yeah, doesn't exactly. necessarily have a super defined role, but somebody that's always going to be there and always going to be dangerous. I think ideally that's what Atlanta United wants Marcelo Moreno to be, like just that sort of extra piece in the attack. Once you've got your core set up, as you said earlier, this is the guy that can – just sort of provide something else. But if you task him with too rigid of a responsibility, as we saw when he was kind of, hey, just plug in for Barco here, it just doesn't really work. And and that's and those are the things you're going to have to determine in, in order to create more more chances and score goals. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, with hopefully, you know, we haven't heard a lot about Barco, but hopefully with him getting healthy soon, you can start to work these types of things out. And like I said, if it doesn't work out, it's not, it's not for a lack of trying because the the players are giving effort. I think they're enjoying playing for the manager. It's not for the fault of the game model because you're executing your game model. It's just the personnel aren't great. And if that happens, we'll be pointing the finger at old Carlos Bocanegra again <laughs> and uh, waiting for another Felipe article. So uh, 
you know, it's going to be a very, very interesting, uh, interesting few months in that sense. Yeah. I on the other hand, we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead with what you were going to say first, because I was going to move on to the defense. Well, I was going to actually talk about the next opponent. So if you've got something you actually want to talk about before we do that, please. Just briefly, yeah. I think, you know, the final third is a struggle, but your midfield is clearly upgraded from last year. So is a big part of that. I think Heinemann, although I agree with you, Sam, in some senses you want more than him. I still think he, from him, he's still been pretty good. Yeah. The third, the third one there, uh, Barco, I like. I, I've enjoyed watching him play uh, that position. He seems um, a little Michael more free. Barco. He doesn't seem to be as like, you know, it almost seemed like underneath, like Frank DeBoer, like the pressure that was on DeBoer also seemed to be on Barco for yeah, some reason. Absolutely. It yeah, feels absolutely. like he's been freed up a little bit under Einza. And I think, I think the relationship there is obviously much better. And that's a big part of it, right? If you're enjoying yourself, you're going to play a little bit more free. And well, don't forget how young this guy is. I mean, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah, and I think you're definitely seeing that. So the midfield is better. Um, and then defensively, I mean, this is something we talked about a lot last year was if there was any positive from last year, you, you had a pretty good collection of center backs. You only ended up keeping and, uh, Walks and Robinson, but I think they formed a pretty good pairing. Hopefully Alan Franco works his way in uh, and shows the best of himself. I think George Bellows made massive improvements. Again, he has, for sure. Defensive side, he's been so much better. I think kind of throwing him to the Wolves last year made, made him a better – he was a better player for it in the end. Toughened him Brooks up Lennon, for sure. Yeah, and then Brooks Lennon's giving you pretty, as always, a good shift. Uh, <laughs> Brooks Lennon right is back. Brooks Lennon, lunch Brooks pail Lennon. guy. Yeah, because that's a lunch pail fella. So uh, <laughs> I think in the positive, your defense looks good, uh, and you're able to control the game in the midfield third. So, so, so you do have better personnel than last year. It's just, do you have those guys that can create and score? You know you have the guy that can score in Joseph. Do you have the guys that can uh, make your team more dangerous despite having uh, – when you have a lot of the ball. so A positive we'll take there, though, is those are the hardest guys to find, not just for Atlanta United, for every team in the world. Those are the hardest Absolutely. players to find, the ones that, Absolutely. you know, the make best one. <laughs> it work. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The, the guys that can give you that extra little bit that help you, you know, put together that final pass, put together that final, you know, string of passes, uh, get that final ball into the third. Or right. that ball into the final third excuse me right um, and the reason but, but even then the like reason, you look against if you look against Montreal like you know Jake Mulraney great ball in I mean was it was it one that you know was hopeful for sure but he put it right on Marcelino Moreno's head I mean you yeah. can't ask for more than that so um, yeah. I think Atlanta United has skill they have players that can make things happen it's just doing it on a more consistent basis yeah, totally agree. And and the reason uh, that it's hard to find or identify those players or that the reason those are the best players to me, the most valuable players, or they do things that no one can coach, you know, like, right. you know, no, we love Jeff, we love Jeff Lorenowitz, but he's good because he's disciplined. He stays in, uh, he stays in position, but he's not the type to just instinctively move away from a defender under pressure in the final third or he would throw you know, a banger in there every uh, once in a while. Though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, uh, there, the, there, there's a special type of player that just has that ability to improvise and consistently come out the better uh, in their, in their duels and one V one battles. And those are the best and most valuable players. And, and, and the reason is, is because they have a skill that uh, you can't coach. It's just something that, that they have and they've developed over time. And, uh, and it's what create goal, it creates goals, which is the most important thing in soccer. So. Absolutely. Uh, you, can't, you can't win games without scoring goals. That's what and they that say. That is the truest thing that you can say about a soccer I believe match. that's true. 
It is. Well, Michael Owen said that. Yeah. Okay. I, it's like, like it's funny. I saw uh, Wayne Gretzky, just as just an aside, but he's like joining TNT because they picked up like the hockey package or whatever. And uh, that whole, like, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take pop up. And I, I saw that and like it was quoted to Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, wait, you have to attribute it to the right person. That's clearly Michael Scott from Wayne Gretzky making right, that quote. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> not right. just Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, dot, 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 Michael so, Scott. All right. I That's, actually want that poster. That's the po- I want that poster in my house. I bet it exists. It probably does yeah, somewhere. I mean, Michael Scott in there. Yeah. In the Etsy world of 2021, I'm sure you yeah. could find that anywhere. Uh, Nashville SC coming up this weekend, the last match before a pretty big international break. So we'll have a little bit of a break from MLS after uh, this weekend. Um, my first game since last season, I did go to the game we lost late to DC United last year. But, you know, obviously a lot of COVID protocols and everything. I am super excited uh, to get out there this Saturday. Uh, shout out to my dad for the. Uh, um, uh, Delta club tickets. Uh, I will be uh, very nice. much uh, enjoying those. Also, I, I bought a Home Depot backyard uh, parking pass, so it'll be the first time I'm, I'm enjoying that. And uh, uh, the missus has informed me that she wants to uh, go check out the uh, supporter tailgates and stuff, so we'll be walking over there. Nice, man. As give me, well. Give me a shout. Give me oh, a shout. Oh, for sure. I'll yeah, no. Uh, Julie definitely wants to see the, the great Josh, so uh, we'll definitely oh, wow. – We'll definitely make that happen, but no, it's a lot um, to live up to. Yeah, exactly. But um, Nashville, a team, not obviously a, a great team by any stretch. Uh, they um, they've had a little bit of a slow start to the year. They've got two draws, and uh, they do have some wins, but uh, it, it hasn't been um, super great for them. Although I will say that they don't have any losses, so you can't uh, do much better than that if you're in a a team that's only in their second season. Um, But when you look at Nashville, this is a game kind of like we talked about with Montreal to where you're going to be very disappointed if you're Atlanta United and you don't get all three points here. No no doubt. And, and you want to see, most of all, you want to see progression in in, in the areas that we've spoken about at length. Uh, And just, you know, it's time to start turning this possession into more dangerous uh, attacking play. You know, again, because, again, I think you're going to be – you're very confident that, that you'll control the game. Nashville, not a team that are known for really playing with the ball necessarily. So, you know, I think, again, I mean, you might see – you might see – ideally you'll see a match that reminds us of the good, the good times of the old days, but you might see a match similar to what we saw against Montreal. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that, you know, like you said, we don't really know much about the injury situation with Atlanta United. Hopefully, you know, Barco makes his return soon. Uh, I wouldn't uh, imagine we'll see him at, you know, at the earliest, it'll be after the international break. Um, But, you know, we have no idea for sure. Um, Before we hop on out of here, um, interesting stuff going on with the Copa America right now. Uh, Possible that, you know, we could see it in the United States again. So that'd be pretty cool. If if there's any late contingencies that need to be worked out, hey, bring some games to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We would love to see some Copa America. uh, Yes. Yes. That would be legit. Um, because yeah, there's some issues, obviously, and co- they're supposed to be co-hosted by Argentina and Colombia, but there's yeah. a lot of political yes. unrest in Colombia right now. And then uh, Argentina is having a COVID spike. Uh, it seems like that's going up pretty much everywhere, but the United States, because we're, you know, doing very well in our like vaccination regards compared to like pretty much anywhere else in the world where it seems to be yeah. a struggle uh, to get good that. to be rich. It's good to be rich. And uh, that is very true. And just, uh, enjoy 
uh, the fact that, yeah, I mean, things are, are starting to get back to normal a little bit. I mean, I went to the Braves game this past weekend, and uh, that thing was jam-packed full. Um, just just fun to get back to normal. And yeah, uh, I'm looking it's forward great to, to uh, see people. Yeah, and come come say hello. I mean, uh, we'll, I usually hang we'll, – we'll, I'm sure I'll see you down, I'll see you down there uh, on Saturday, Sam. But, yeah, obviously it's so great to see everybody and got to see some people for the Montreal game. So just get to Yeah, so are, are you all over by, like, where the supporters down. are, like that, that hotel or whatever? Yeah, I was over uh, – I'm a member of the faction, so uh, we, we usually hang out uh, in that area there. Oh, when did you yeah, do that? I didn't know you, you had actually joined anywhere. Yeah, I, I got with them last year. The, um, okay. the, the Inter-Atlanta – all the Inter-Atlanta uh, – the club where I coach the coaches. I got are, you. That makes sense. Are, are, uh, yeah, since we're affiliated with them. and uh, Very nice. They got uh, that vodka lemonade, man. It was just – Ended ended some days for me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but a, a good time. Yeah, shout out to our man Louie. Uh, he's a uh, pretty big over there in the in the faction as well. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I I think at this point I've decided that you know I want to join one. I just haven't decided which one yet. Uh, I did grab myself the limited edition new uh, Footy Mob Lemon Pepper Wet Scarf, uh, which is oh, pretty nice. legit. Yeah, I'm gonna bust that thing out for the game. Uh, it says like you, uh, United we conquer on it, and it's got like on either side of it like one flat lemon pepper wing and one drum lemon pepper wing. So nice. I feel like it encapsulated nice. cool. a lot of me personally, both my love of yes, lemon pepper chicken wings and my love yeah. of Atlanta United. So yeah, uh, I wanted absolutely. to wanted to get that and uh, and shout out Footy Mob <laughs> also another one of the great uh, supporter groups for Atlanta United. That pretty much wraps things up for us, Josh. Any parting thoughts? Nope. Uh, feel free to free to follow me on Twitter. Josh B nine one four is where you can I'm, find me. I'm at Sam J Franco. You can follow Eric at Eric got eaten by a moose. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know if they even have moose in Montana. Uh, my geographical stuff. Is I believe off the there. plural. The plural. The plural is meese. Actually, meese. That's right. Uh, Eric at Eric G Quintana <laughs> on Twitter. I'm at Sam J it Franco. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, next week, uh, hopefully reporting on an Atlanta United win over Nashville. Um, but until then, I am adding a new, um, I guess, a new segment to our podcast. It's called What Would Ray Hudson Say? I got this uh, thing from like a, a Twitter contest that I won. It's a, a Ray's magisterial buzzer. So you like Let's press it. it and it gives you one of Ray's like famous quotes. So Let's we're going to do that to end each podcast from now. What, on. You, Here we go. what you got, Ray? What you got, Ray? <laughs> classic ray hudson right there i don't think i think he just screamed J- gibberish times there yes which is a classic hopefully espn signs him up by the way with uh I know. espn la getting the la liga rights yeah. like you Come can't on. imagine watching la liga without ray hudson I mean, for the past what going back to gold tv like i mean it, it's been the past decade <laughs> plus 15 plus i was gonna yeah. say been this guy's been like the voice of la liga in the united states so uh, I'll go ahead and throw one more ism out there for you. All right. Uh, thank you, Ray Hudson. And uh, until next time, until next time, we'll see you, Atlanta. <laughs>